Gold Stove Podcast. Happy trade deadline day to our listeners, to our fans, to those of us or those of y'all who are just listening to listen, and to NRD, NHL Rumors Daily. How are you this deadline day? Are you tired? Are you exhausted? Are you relieved? What What, are, what is your attitude today, NRD? I am personally tired, just, just as NRD, the man behind the cowl, <laughs> Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is tired. Okay. But Batman is bored. I mean, what was the biggest deal with trade deadline day? We had a great week in build up to trade deadline. We certainly did. But but what happened today, Brett? Well, you know, it, it's just one of those things that it's just not every year is going to be gangbusters. And when a lot of the bigger trades happen, like on a random Tuesday of the week, it's sort of the deadline. I'll pull back the curtain here. It's kind of one of those things where we were going back and forth on live stuff. And if the trade deadline was looking stacked today, we probably would have been live for three hours, but it was just kind of like where who was the biggest deal going to be today, given that everything had already happened, and Jordan Greenway goes to the Sabers of all teams. So that's I that's and I'm glad you said that because a lot of questions both to the Cold Stove account and my account, and I'm sure yours as well. Are we doing a live? Are we doing a spaces? And we had teased it, and yeah, I mean the the, the God's honest truth, and we always try to keep it very truthful with you guys and girls listening, like. The truth was, you know, Kane goes to the Rangers. We saw that coming from a mile away. Mm-hmm. Timo Meyer to the Devils. That was pretty telegraphed. And as these deals started going down, it was like, what's really left for, for trade deadline day on Friday? We thought the best way to bring it to you is more of a recap. Talk about what did happen, what didn't happen, and uh, run this episode. So yeah. you can listen to it over and over and over and over again, unlike a live where it's a one-time thing. Some trade deadline analysis, if you will. It's it's also one of those things like the people I was talking to in Buffalo. It's all sort of teller. I and I'm like, I'm I'm not gonna play the insider game this year just because I, I got I got one team, and I don't want to yeah. do anything smoke wise to get in trouble and talk to for other stuff on that front. So it's just like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay out and be the recap guy this year. Anyway, let's talk about what happened. Let's let's go first to a team. In Philadelphia, that's kind of the biggest head scratcher of the day, and that's in not trading away James Van Riemsdyk. Um, what you know, the, the kind of today, the sort of intriguing thing, and in, in not a day with a lot of huge trades. Reported he was looking at going to Detroit, but that ended up not happening. NRD, do you anything there that kind of surprises you, or, or sort of the Flyers deadline in general? Yeah, I mean the Flyers, I think. Dropped the ball. Chuck Fletcher was given the opportunity to, to run the deadline for the Flyers again, and he dropped the ball. JVR is a UFA at the end of this season. For all intents and purposes, a very well-liked guy, not a bad dude, gets along with guys great in the locker room, well-respected. You're going to tell me there wasn't a market out there? I don't think the market was hot, but you know there was a deal with Detroit that fell through, like you just mentioned, probably for roster reasons. I think you know, there's something to do with money being retained and the fact that they couldn't retain any more, any more money. They had to make another deal, you know, to, to go along with that supplemental trade. But yeah, I think it's poor asset management. I personally, we were saying this before we went and started recording this episode. I would rather have a seventh round draft pick than James Van, Re- Van Riemsdyk if I was Chuck Fletcher or the Flyers organization. And that's not of any offense to JVR. I think he's a great player. It's just he's a UFA at the end of the season that the organization is going nowhere fast. They're heading towards a rebuild. I'd rather be able to, you know, especially with a very deep draft class where you can find diamonds in the rough, I'd rather take that fifth to seventh round pick for him. 
and just see what happens in future years. And a guy who's for all intents and purposes, not going to be on this roster next season. Right. And that's, that's kind of the biggest thing is, is at some point, I think the dinosaur GMs end up going, uh, my ego is more important than the trade in a way. So if he doesn't think the value is there for JVR, he's not going to do it and just let him walk in free agency. You know, I just, I don't, it's just kind of an, an interesting way to go about it. And I think we're sort of moving away from that era of team building. Or, you know, it's just, well, if I can't get a third for JBR, I'm not going to trade him. Simple as that. And it's kind of, it, it's just the, the old conservative way of, of doing it. Well, that's, and that's Chuck Fletcher, the type exactly. of general manager. So yeah. the Flyers end up with um, Brendan Lemieux is there one addition to this roster after the trade deadline, which kind of surprises me in a way. Brennan Lemieux seems like one of those guys that would go to a playoff team and play, you know, kind of be in the rotation on that fourth line if they're down two to one in a series type of guy. But the yeah, Flyers picked him up, and he seems like a torts guy. He seems like he's a, a torts guy. guy. That's, right. that's for sure. He's a Tortorella guy. He's close with Tony D'Angelo. Very good friends from the time in New York. So, mm-hmm. you know, storm the Comcast building, I guess, in oh, Philly. Jesus. Um, but they're going to be there. I think it would be very poetic if he wore number 66 in a Flyers jersey. Just, I know he's Claude's son. I know he's no relation to Mario, but give me a number 66 Lemieux Flyer, uh, Flyers jersey. I think that'd be perfect. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Yeah. Troll um, a little bit because you know what? They have gritty there. They, there's nothing good. Like just troll a mm-hmm. little bit. Yeah. Exactly. They have nothing else going for them. So <laughs> do that. Uh, l- let's talk about a team that I think sort of won the trade deadline and are gearing up for as deep of a playoff run as you can get. And that is the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm. NRD, the best team in the league seems to get better in this situation. Big Orlov, Garnet Hathaway, and uh, Tyler Bertuzzi are sort of the key pieces at the deadline. And that's three upgrades on what they had. What, do you, what do you make of Boston's performance the last couple of days? Tyler Bertuzzi... What a home run acquisition for the mm-hmm. Boston Bruins. I believe it was on this podcast, Brett, when we were doing our little Make Sense a couple weeks ago, and mm-hmm. you brought up Big Bert's name. And I, right before, I think it was right at the show close, I said one more thing. I said, you know what uniform Tyler Bertuzzi belongs in? And I, and I said, I don't know if they have the ability to make it work cap-wise or anything, but he's a Boston Bruin, if I've ever seen one. And, and you know what? I don't know if Don Sweeney's a – Long-time, first-time caller, long-time listener of the show, or if he just had that premonition. But Tyler Bertuzzi ends up in Boston. I think that's the best pickup of the deadline. Don't get me wrong. Dimitri Orloff has a lot of depth that he brings to that blue line, and he's been scoring goals left and right. It looks like Bobby Orr out there for the Boston Bruins so far. But Tyler Bertuzzi is going to pay massive dividends, especially on a Bruins team that is now out, Taylor Hall and Nick Felino. Yeah, and you saw them dismantle the Sabres last night. You... You look at that team, they just continue to get better. They're going to be an impossible playoff out. That, as of as of today, and probably as of the last few weeks, I think that's the Stanley Cup favorite. Obviously, there's a lot of teams that can win it, and the East is a gauntlet right now. Playoff, uh, the wild card race is fantastic. It's fun to have one of those, you know, because the last couple of years, playoffs have sort of been set by now, especially in the East. So it's fun to have that that race mentality again. And I think, Boston's just going to be far and away. You know, they're going to run into Tampa, going to run into Toronto. There's teams that are good. But on paper, I mean, how how do you get better than the Boston Bruins right now? 
And that, it's then that's it's tough because before the year, here's my dumbass saying, well, Boston's getting up there. They're old. They're this. They're that. Who knew Linus Allmark was a fucking Vesna candidate? Uh, maybe even the Rocket Richard candidate because that happened as well since we recorded last. Crazy. Absolutely crazy what's going on. Um, so good for them. Good for them. Let's stay in the East. We're kind of going to like little team by team. Ooh, whoever made interesting stuff. Let's go to Ottawa. Team that made a lot of moves in the offseason. They win the Jacob Chikrin sweepstakes. Uh, they take they, they send over Nikita Zaitsev to clear a bunch of cap space. How about that future considerations trade? Chicago gets Zaitsev, a second and a fourth in exchange for future considerations. A little bit of, hey, you will take on your salary. Just give us uh gotta gotta pay the uh pay the Pied Piper. What's this saying? You know what I mean. Um, pay the Pied Piper, yeah. And also picked up Julian Gauthier. How about that? Senators' opinions at the deadline NRD. Listen, the Ottawa Senators are a team that I think for two years now they've been interested in Jacob Chikrin. So they went out and got their guy. I give them full credit on that. I they, mean, they have been linked, I think, since like the the first day that happened. First day he was available. The Ottawa Senators are like, now he's from the area. And I had a follower of mine tweet me and say, Hey, I'm cousins with the girl he's dating, and it was Jeez. Ottawa or bust for Jacob Tricker in this Interesting. whole time. So maybe that's the case. You know, that's, uh -huh. that's the 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 people's insider, right? We take tips from everywhere. Um, but that was tweeted to me. I don't doubt that Jacob Tricker probably wanted to end up with the Ottawa Senators. Just forget that tweet. Just the fact that he's from the area and they're a growing team. They're going to continue to get better. They have a lot of great assets there. Um, Alex DeBrinket, Brady Kachuk. Thomas Shabbat, he's going to play on the blue line with. So Jacob Chicken's a good addition for Ottawa. The only thing that confuses me a little bit is I don't know if they're a playoff team this season. I don't think the Jacob Chicken haul that they gave up was a lot. It wasn't a big package going the other way. But that's a big move for a team that we're making this deal almost for next year. Because I just, you know, they have a lot of games in hand on the Islanders, but Buffalo's there and Pittsburgh got a little bit better today too. No and doubt. they're trying to hold on to that number one wild card seed. So if the Islanders drop out, I would say Buffalo slots into that spot. I know you're going to love hearing that from me of all people, but I would say Buffalo over Ottawa for that spot. So it's a big deal, not in the sense that they gave up a lot, but a big trade for a team that, again, just like the Islanders we were talking about when they made the Horvat deal, a big trade for a team on the outside looking in. Yeah, and that seems kind of what it, it it's going to be, is is that Chikrin move is a move for the future. To get it done at the deadline, you know, I, I guess it's sort of so nobody else gets him. They're they're basically paying for the opportunity to get him in the long term. You know what I mean? Like there's if if he, they weren't gonna trade for him, it felt like somebody else was going to because Arizona said, "Well, we want assets now," versus in the off season when teams are a little more desperate. So you're sort of maybe playing from a a point of weakness in negotiating for a Jacob Chikrin. At the deadline, especially if you're Ottawa, who's not exactly in the playoff race, you know what I mean? That like that's, I guess if I'm Ottawa, I, I you have to make because somebody else is going to lock him up. So that's sort of the whole idea. But you know, well, we can we can spin in circles on this one. On the exactly, and if you want to play the spin zone, you know, I can counter what I said by, yeah, Jake Trickern in this group, it's a hell of a lot more attractive for next season for a prospective owner. Right, they're going sure. to have a new owner for this club. This club is ready to compete next season with Jacob Chikrin in the fold. You're strengthening that blue line. I think they can figure out the goaltending, but you know, 
that's the other side of it. If you want to counter what I said is the fact that this team is a lot more appealing to any ownership group, to anybody who wants to invest in the Ottawa Senators right now. Yeah. The stock is up. Um, you mentioned one team. You said Buffalo is going to sneak in. I couldn't agree more. Just kidding. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. They haven't looked great the last two games. Lost an ugly one to Columbus at home and then got boat raced in Boston. Close, closer game than the score indicated for about two and a half periods. It was 2 nothing basically. And then the floodgates broke. Anyway, they picked up Jordan Greenway, who's going to be a physical presence for them. He's the perfect jelly and jam guy. You know, they're going to make the our boys at after the whistle very happy with that acquisition. They give up a second and a fifth. They have three second-round picks. Now they have two. They're totally fine with that return. Like Greenway, the player, excited to see if Don Granado can sort of turn him around. Obviously, he was... Uh, uh, on the U.S. national development team with Granada when he was there. Also, teammates with Tage Thompson when he was playing in Iowa in the, NH- in the NAHL, I guess, or USHL, excuse me. So, you know, we'll see. It's kind of a a low risk. It's You have him for one more year at $3 million after this. Hopefully you turn him around. We'll see. We'll see. But I like the addition. I don't love the addition. He's obviously had a tough year this year. I think a change of scenery for him is nice. The returns, uh, or excuse me, what they gave up, totally fine. Anders Bork out the door. Eric Portillo out the door. Kind of realized he was not going to make a dent in the Levi uh, UPL rotation of Sabres goalies in the future. And they acquired Riley Stillman from uh, from Vancouver for Josh Bloom. A prospect who had a really good year last year. Sort of... A, not a down year, just not as good as it was last year. He's a prospect. And Stillman played last night uh, and threw the body around. So Sabres got more physical at the deadline. I guess that's all I can really say. I don't know if they got better, but they certainly got more physical. Shouts to Rasmus Asplund, by the way, who is a fan favorite, sort of a chart uh, analytics guy that people have loved forever, plays really well with good teammates, and uh, he's off to Nashville. So uh, bon voyage to put it one way, to Rasmus Ashplin, wishing him luck. He's a good player uh, and, a, and a really good human, too. Let's go to Toronto, shall we? Yeah, let's north of the border. North of the Although, border. Although, can I just say something real quick on the Buffalo Sabres? Uh, and you can, can probably attest to this as, you know, the Buffalo guy. You're more than a Buffalo guy to me, Brett. I Thank you, throw that out there. You just are a Buffalo fan. People tweeting, asking if Kevin Adams was dead all weekend. They were involved in stuff. I mean, Buffalo... You heard the reports. They sniffed around on Chikrin. They called about Timo Meyer at the end. Like, you know, we've talked many times, and you especially more than myself on this show, about how Kevin Adams was a little averse to changing the vibes in that room. He thought they have a good thing building right there in Buffalo at that point. And, you know, but they to say that Kevin Adams was dead is not correct. They were involved. I just think that cost became an issue and, you know, not wanting to mess with that team right now. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that's smart. Because the Twitter hive was, let's go get somebody, let's go get this, let's go get that. It was Meyer and Chikrin and all these big flashy names. And I was always kind of tempered with it. it you know, of course you want Timo Meyer, of course you want Jake Chikrin, of course you want a uh, JT Miller or Brock Besser. And, and they will be in on Besser in the summer. I know that, and that is absolutely going to be, whether they get him or not, who knows. But they they are in on Besser as sort of that middle six winger who's going to be there ideally for a long time so i wanted him at the deadline price was probably too high at the deadline 
So we're gonna go to the summer for it. You don't you don't want to blow up a team just to just to make that playoff run in a year where they're overperforming expectations. So let's build that up in the summer when everybody kind of has the locker room is able to be broken up a little bit, right? That's the plan there. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think my my expectations coming into the deadline for for Buffalo were were met, not exceeded, not um, underperformed. You know, I didn't expect them to do a ton, and they didn't do a ton. They like the team they have. They're the youngest team in the league. Even with Kyle Oposo and Craig Anderson on their team, they have a 41-year-old player on their team bringing their average up, and they're still the youngest team in the league. So it's like, what do you really expect for a team that's overperforming? And it's just, let's not worry about it. They do add Greenway to give that locker room a little bit of juice. I, I think he's a guy that helps the Jack Quinns of the world, Casey Middlestad, Victor Olofsson. Not, I'm not going to call them soft, but not sort of physically inclined players. It makes them a little bigger on their skates. Is that the uh, the right sort of quip there, NRD? Two inches I like taller. The terminology. Yeah. Two inches taller on the skates. So we'll see. We'll see. But let's go to Toronto, like we said. Toronto had another sneaky good deadline. I mean, people who are picking up more than they seem to be giving up, especially in the short term, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. They get Lu Shen, who's not, you know, they're, they're, he's not going to be a top four defenseman, but a defensive depth, especially when you send out Rasmus Sandin. Eric Gustafson, first rounder, for, or get a first rounder in, in it's, with that too, Jake McCabe. It's like, let's just go get a bunch of defensemen, not to mention Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari. What do you like about what Toronto did, NRD? I know it's your favorite team to compliment. I'm going to give them a compliment compliment for real this time. Oh, okay. They got tougher. I like that. They did get tougher. And I know that's that's an old man kind of quip. It's a dinosaur statement. But they got tougher and not not fake tough. And I don't think that's a stretch, you know, a slight against like Wayne Simmons and guys they've had in that organization for some years now. But Ryan O'Reilly doesn't necessarily have to fight to be tough. Ryan O'Reilly is just a tough SOB, great two-way center. He's going to play your third line really well. They got tougher to play against, and I like the moves that they made. Again, they're going to have to play a team that came back from the dead, like the Undertaker, popped back up in the coffin last year in the playoffs in Tampa Bay, and they still have a lot of that same core there. If they can get over that hump, I really think this is the year for Toronto because I like the way the roster is balanced. Wow. You know. You just went from insulting Toronto last week to, to putting them in the Stanley Cup, I believe, this week? Yeah. I, listen, they're going to be a tough out. If, wow. they can get the, if they can get that monkey off their backs, they're going to be a tough out. And that monkey being uh, beating Tampa Bay, perhaps? Just getting past the first round. Just anything, right? Like, if they can just start small, get past that first round, who's to say, right? Who's to say? Because we know they're one of the most talented hockey clubs in the NHL. We know that they have Austin Matthews, they have Mitch Marner, they have Willie Nylander, they have John Tavares. I don't disagree. I'm just I, that's yeah. That's a bit, you know, I'm man enough to admit when I when I was wrong, and you know, not that I was wrong. Let me take that back. I'm never wrong. <laughs> I'm man enough to admit that I doubted them, and now I'm on the Toronto Maple Leafs train. The East is going to be tough, right? Like you can make that same argument for you know six out of the eight playoff teams. I could say. But, you know, is anybody better than Austin Matthews? Austin Matthews is one of the best players in the National Hockey League. Jack Hughes, maybe? 
Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. What is like a, a New Jersey Devils playoff team for the first time in a minute? Like, what are they all about? Not a whole lot of experience. Let's let's talk about them. I think they had a pretty good deadline too. They obviously win the Timo Meyer sweepstakes. They pick up a depth guy in Curtis Lazar. What is you know, other than that, kind of quiet? What do you think led them to winning the Timo Meyer sweepstakes? Obviously, when you pick up a guy like that, you sort of have to. Be careful with the rest of your your cap. So how how they end up winning the Timo Meyer sweepstakes? They win the Timo Meyer sweepstakes by staying the course, right? Like teams entered and exited. At one point, it looked like it was going this way or that way. The other way, Carolina was involved in Vegas. Vegas cleared out. They got rid of that Shea Weber contract to potentially bring in, you know, Timo Meyer for years to come. Devils don't have an extension with him yet, by the way, which is an important part of this. But they stayed the course. They stayed persistent with Mike Greer. They ended up getting away with this deal without giving up, you know, Simon Nemec and Alexander Holtz and Dawson Mercer, who, quite honestly, Dawson Mercer blossoming into a superstar right now. I was trying to think of the word. Blossoming is the correct word. Blossoming into a superstar right now alongside Jack Hughes on that New Jersey Devils club. So they stayed the course. They win the Timo Meyer sweepstakes. They don't do much damage to their, you know, prospect pool or future. I think they're a great team. I think the only thing that concerns me now is that the way that the New Jersey Devils have wanted to run their cap, and this has been said on the record by Tom Fitzgerald, they want Jack Hughes to remain the highest paid player on the team. It's not making that much. When you look at the contracts that were just dished out to Bo Warbat and Dylan Larkin around the National Hockey League, you can't tell me Timo Meyer's not going to end up in that nine, $9.5 million range with what he's done so far. The way he plays the game. No, I I couldn't agree more. I don't I don't why like why why set yourself up for a cap like that? You know what I mean? Like that's so they want to manage their cap and keep everybody like they don't want to pay they don't want to have guys making seven hundred K and a couple of guys making eleven million. They want right. everybody they to kind of stay in the middle ground. That's just that's a philosophy of team building and economics, but that's gonna be hard to do with a guy like Timo Meyer who's going to get paid now based on the deals that have just been signed around the league. So that's the only thing that would concern me about that deal. Other than that, I'm gung-ho about New Jersey. I love their chances in the playoffs. I think it's going to be a hell of a matchup between New Jersey and the Rangers in the first round. I think they're going to kick the crap out of each other. But that's the only thing if I was a New Jersey Devils fan I have a little bit of trepidation about. I'd be, you know, biting the nails till the deal got done with Timo Meyer in the long term. Of course. And, you know, like, like we'll see. The, the one thing about playoff hockey is experience seems to help. Um, and they don't have a ton of it. So that's that's kind of a we shall see on New Jersey. You mentioned the Rangers, though. They weren't exactly uh, 100% quiet. They pick up a guy, uh, Patrick Kane. Ever heard of him, NRD? Hall of Famer. They ship out Vitaly Kravtsov. They ship out Julian Gauthier. They get Tyler Mott back in that. Um, they get Tarasenko. I like, like, we are setting up for an absolute war here. In the East, like we mentioned, mm-hmm. I I kind of like we where you have this like gut feel on Toronto. I kind of have a gut feel on the Rangers now. If if Boston is not is not one, you got to look at the Rangers' moves, and maybe they're not set up to win five years from now. But right now, it, it, they're one of the most offensive, you know, firepower teams in the league, if not like number one. I mean. This is a conversation I had this morning with someone. They're rolling out Patrick Kane, Vladimir Tarasenko, Mika Zibanejad, and Artemi Panarin as four of their top six. 
Mm-hmm. That's just insane. In terms of firepower, like Connor McDavid is the best player in the National Hockey League. Leon Draisaitl might be in that top three or top four, but then it kind of trickles down a little bit, right? Like Nuge is great, and Evander Kane is a really good player, but it's like they are one of the top. Let's say quartet is quartet four, Brett. You are absolutely right. A quartet is four okay. people. So when you look at some of the best quartets around the NHL, Edmonton would be number one because they have, you know, the best player in the world and maybe the third or fourth best player in the world. And New Jersey might be two or three because they have Jack Hughes as the best player in the world. The Rangers don't have a top five player in the world or the league necessarily, but I'd say they have four out of the top 10, maybe like number nine, number eight, number seven, number six, and number eight. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. have... They have really, really good players. They're getting up there in age. Obviously, Patrick Kane has the hip injury. Obviously, there's injury concerns in the past with Tarasenko staying healthy. They're going to have to do it maybe 30 games deep into the playoffs if they go the distance in each round. But if they can if they can sustain that and hone in that talent, you you can't fault. I mean, you can't argue with that with that club. You really can't. Not to mention, I mean, one of the best defensemen in the world too. Even outside your quartet of top forwards. With Adam Fox. So it's, can Shesterkin revert at all back to last year? Can Halak steal a game here and there if Shesterkin's, you know, if they're if they're running into fatigue there? I think the answer is yes. And, and all of a sudden, New York becomes one of those teams that says, well, we can play a 3-2 with a Goudreau and a, oh, a, you know, Tyler Jimmy Mott, VC, Jimmy VC. You know, we can, we can beat you 3-2 or we can beat you 6-4. They kind of are are set up to do both, which I think is something that's so important depending on your opponent saying, okay, we're going to go take advantage of you and try to uh, outscore the heck out of you. You know, say New York played Edmonton and we're just going to play track meet hockey. Well, we can do that. And then say they play Carolina and it's, well, we're going to play three, two games all the time. We can do that too. So that's why I think New York is just kind of uniquely set up and, and, a huge problem potentially for a team like Boston or Carolina again or Toronto. Like whoever they advance to to play, say they they just New Jersey's not ready for them yet. You know, New Jersey's first year, yada yada. Whatever that second round matchup is for the New York Rangers, they'll probably not be favored. And I will I will pick them to win. That's my my uh my they might stove, not be my cold they might not be favored in the first round against New Jersey. Uh-huh. Not with I mean New Jersey's gonna have home less advantage, presumably. I'll tell you what. I might go, the only thing, might go the throw only thing a little about the Rangers. Oh, go Rangers. for it. While while you do that, I'm gonna opine for a second. The only thing that, that the New York Rangers might run into, you mentioned Halak stealing a game yeah. here or there before the end of the season resting guys. They don't have enough cap space. I don't I I don't know how it works, and I'm gonna admit that. Like I think you get four call ups. Okay. Between now and the end of the season, they're already down two guys, and Keandre Miller suspended for another two games, and uh, Ryan Lindgren, who's nursing a chicken wing injury, little shoulder action there. Like, do you want to waste those call ups now to rest these guys like Kane and Tarasenko going into the playoffs? You kind of not only going to have to potentially play thirty deep into the playoffs, thirty games deep, they might have to play the rest of the regular season as well as a tune up, and they're not going to get that opportunity to sit. So it's the only thing for them. Is like they're playing they're playing down two guys off the roster right now because they made that Kane trade, which I don't think anybody would be against, but it's the only thing I'd be concerned with. Okay. 
I will keep an eye out on that. Um, one more team in the in the East I want to talk about is the Pittsburgh Penguins. Kind of in a what are we going to be this year mode. They're up and down the last couple of games. They do a little bit uh, at the trade deadline. They they lost a bunch before winning a few here. What do you see with with Pittsburgh, and uh, and and how do they move forward out of the deadline? They made a couple of depth moves. They did they trade. They 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 made their depth moves. JT Miller was the big one that fell through. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Shana by the way. Shana Goldman of the Athletic crushed the deadline. Absolutely, one of the top insiders. The deadline saw a lot of people being like, you know, outrage at you know people are disgusted by the fact that Shane is breaking all these trades. Listen, I've never I didn't see anybody outraged. I think that's fake outrage. Let's just call a spade a spade. She crushed it, and she deserves you know all the hype that she's getting. Um, so shouts to her on that. But she was one of the ones carrying the torch for the JT Miller to to Pittsburgh stuff. Obviously, there's a connection there with Jim Rutherford. I think that fell through because of contract. Also fell through as a couple of people up north said. The Vancouver Canucks were not. They loved the package that was being offered, but it was draft picks. They wanted ready now NHL players, which really. Vancouver's kind of going through an identity crisis. And this is kind of be like we're talking about Pittsburgh, but about Vancouver at the same time. You know, I, I Pittsburgh did the right thing. I don't think the deals were there for them to be made. They were in on Chikrin as well. I think they sniffed around Timo Meyer. Listen, they ran it back with Gino, Crosby, uh, and Crystal Tang. This is it. This is their core run. They bring in Nick Bonino. He's joining back with the crew again. Yeah, I, this I is say, all they got. I, I love the Bonino back to Pittsburgh move. Yeah, Benino, Benino, Benino. This is it for them. And I, I think that everybody in that room understands and in that front office. When Sid and Latang and Evgeny hang them up, this is a this is a deep rebuild, unless the league wants to drop, you know, another couple of superstars in their hand in the draft lottery. So they're just gonna run it with the guys they got, right? They don't need a superstar. They have three superstars. Do you know who their uh their youngest forward? In like their top twelve is Jake Gensel, Danton Heinen at twenty seven. Jesus Christ, they're, they're, they're an old team. They are an old team. I mean, it's it's about as you know, it's it's about as old and veteran stacked as it gets. Don't don't count out a Michael Granlund in that situation. They get him from Nashville for a second rounder. So again, if they if they make the playoffs. That's kind of like a well. You, now you have a tough out. They're not built to win a hundred games in the regular season. Nobody is, because it's possible, right? But that's that's a tough out lineup right there. Now, do they have the defense to to support them? Do they have the goaltending to support them? Goaltending is going to be an issue. That's kind of the right. Obviously, the big question mark. But they're going to hold on to the, the all star. They're going to hold on to the puck. They're going to just be smart offensively. And they'll 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 run you down. They'll absolutely run you down. They just get Kulikov as well. So we'll see. We'll see in Pittsburgh. I, I feel like I'm saying we'll see a bunch, but that's sort of what the deadline represents, right? It's sort of a new start for a lot of teams that are in this race. And okay, what what did we just build? Did we just improve? Did we just wreck our chemistry? Did we just uh, add a player that's going to get us points for the playoffs? Did we just absolutely tanked to get Bedard and Mishkov and Fantilli. Like, what did we do here? It's kind of a new start on the season. And now it's exciting. Now we get to see the the fruits of everybody's labor. I agree. Before heading off to the cottages. How about we go out west? 
NRD. I'm fine with that. Let's do it. Uh, a team like Dallas, who everybody kind of was like, man, are they in on Kane? Uh, are they in on, you know, a guy like Besser or JT Miller? And then they're also quiet. They get uh, Dadnov, Evgeny Dadnov, our everybody's favorite trade piece, um, a couple a couple nights ago for Denis Gurionov. They get uh, uh, Max Domi comes comes to Dallas. What I kind of liked that fit, but other than that, pretty quiet. Now, for the the you know the best team in the Western Conference right now, why do you think Dallas did what they did, and and is that more of a a function of well, we just didn't really have the the pieces, or we didn't really have the the desire to try to kind of mortgage some some sort of future pick. I think they had the desire. I think they had the pieces, and their guy that they targeted and Patrick Kane didn't want to go there. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about that. Patrick Kane wanted to be a New York Ranger. It's very obvious and evident at this point. Dallas Stars were very interested. Well, I and you, there was no other Patrick Kane on the market. I think that was the problem too. Like Jim Nill wanted to spend, but was there another Patrick Kane out there to spend on? No, Timo, I guess. And they, but he's obviously a long term situation. Oh, Again, well, I guess that's a long term. Si- that, that's a long term situation, and you have two guys in house last offseason that you kind of dragged along there in uh, in Jason Robertson and Jake Ottinger. That you kind of didn't give him the long, long, long-term deal. You gave him, you gave him a good deal. But like, so then to bring in Timo and then lock him up to that big deal after kind of, I wouldn't say shafting your two guys and J. Rob and Ottinger, but I just think that Patrick Kane was the guy. It was the perfect fit. He was a rental. They didn't have to worry about the cap next season. They didn't have to worry about reworking some guys' contracts. Unfortunately, didn't work out that way. Patrick Kane wanted to go to New York and New York only. So. I can't blame them. To to answer your question, I think they had the desire. I think they had the pieces, but it takes two to tango. Yeah, it takes two to tango. And I, you know, Evgeny Dadanov, I I don't hate that move. Certainly, you know, kind of a change of scenery for Guryanov and bring in Dadanov. And um, you know, funny story. I was in Vegas last week in RD, and uh, we were staying at the same hotel that Dallas was staying at, mm-hmm. and playing blackjack next to. Ottinger and it was kind of funny it was it was a table of young guys so it was like Ottinger and Robinson and or excuse me Jason Robertson not Robinson um we're hanging out over there with Colin Miller former Buffalo Sabre made a couple like uh hey remember the remember the Sabres that you were part of um and then the other table the higher higher uh, limit table was Ben and Pavelski and uh some of their video coaches who were older so it was a very funny just seeing them out and about um, in Vegas, just you know, they're nothing doing nothing stupid, but they're just playing a little blackjack and um, enjoying themselves. But but there's definitely still like, hey, there's the old guys table and there's the young, young guys table. Can't can't mix those up too quick. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> uh, let's go to Colorado. You know what? Really quick on that. Yeah. Remember when it was like so taboo for professional athletes to be in Las Vegas? Oh, of course. I mean, what a world it, it still has in. like. A, you know, whatever, it, like, oh, Vegas? Like, they're they're going out. Yeah, like, yeah, they they beat Vegas in overtime. They're going to go have a couple of Bud Lights, and they'll be fine. They'll be all right. They'll be I all just right. think it's it's great. No, I, I'm not against it in any sense. I'm just saying, what a world that maybe five, six years ago, the league was so oh, against yeah. that. And now, you know, 
the league is sponsored by FanDuel and DraftKings, and mm-hmm. they have a team in Vegas, and mm-hmm. it's just it, it's good. It's a good thing, but it's just very funny. It's ironic, isn't it ironic? Okay, let's go what to think? Colorado NRD, the defending Stanley Cup champs, at a guy like Lars Eller, who I kind of love in that situation. He's sort of the Arturi Lekkinen of this year. Um, they also pick up Jack Johnson from uh, Chicago. Uh, shouts to Keith Kincaid, personal buddy, goes to Colorado. And, uh, you know, to other, other than that, really not much of a, a deadline for them, but Lars Eller is sort of their, their big fish this year. What do you think of what they did? We talked about this last week on the show. It's really hard to replace what they had in Nazem Kadri and Andrew Cagliano and the guys that they brought in last year and Arturi Lekkinen, they hit a home run at the deadline last year. It's hard to replicate that. They tried. Um, I don't think they made the wrong moves in Lars Eller. I think they were in on Kevin Hayes. Just the money mm. didn't work. Okay. Problem with Kevin Hayes, and just really quick on him, because there was a couple teams interested. I believe Columbus sniffed around. I believe uh, Carolina and, and uh, Colorado as well. Problem with Kevin Hayes is, Three years left on that contract, even at 50% retained, it's still like three and a half million. Mm-hmm. Three years at three and a half million in a, an era where the cap is not rising at the pace that the GMs thought, you're you're making a big commitment. And that's a big commitment at the deadline, right? Like if, Ke- if Kevin Hayes was a rental, I think Kevin Hayes would go for a first round pick and maybe a conditional pro- uh, pick or a prospect as well. The problem is, is it's a big commitment in the era where you don't know what you're dollar certainty is next year and the year beyond that to bring in a guy that's probably only going to be your number three center at three and a half for the next three years. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the issue with Kevin A's, but to that point, Colorado was there just didn't work out. Yeah. I, I like what Colorado did. It's going to be hard to repeat against the East though. Unfortunately, just with how much the East is loaded up a Colorado might be one of the better prep teams to come out of the West with experience. They're going to get guys healthy. Landis Gog should be back, but you know, it's just tough to compete when teams are out there in the Eastern Conference in that arms race, bringing in guys like Vladimir Tarasenko and Patrick Kane and Timo Meyer and Tyler Bertuzzi, getting stronger, getting faster, getting better. It's hard for a team like Colorado to sit on their performance last year. And if anything, maybe be a little worse in some ways when they don't have the Nazem Kadri's and those guys be a little bit worse than last year and kind of stay. You talked about being in Vegas. They, you know, Dealer dealt them in 18 and they stayed there. It's kind of hard mm. to win because dealer's gonna have 21 and that dealer's the Eastern Conference. That I'm speechless at how that was a good one, that, right? That was just absolutely fucking fantastic. Every once in a while, a blind squirrel finds a nut. My God, that was beautiful, NRD. Let's go to a team that we knew was gonna be busy, but sort of for the other reason than trying to win a Stanley Cup. Let's go to Arizona. Now we knew what Arizona's deal was coming into this season. We knew that they were going to be sellers at the deadline trying to pick up assets and pick up assets they did. They take down the contract of Shea Weber to kick things off. I believe that was last week at this point. They helped broker the Patrick Kane deal uh, with Chicago and New York. They send Jacob Chikrin out for a Kane's ransom. They get uh, Jake Voracek just just to take on cap. So now they have a team of, of injured superstars, you know, of, of years past, like Voracek and Shea Weber. How about Andrew Ladd and Brian Little still on that uh, 
on that. They're IR. paying twenty five percent of Patrick Kane's contract. And there you go. Yeah. So, what do you think of a team that just you knew was going to be sort of this ultimate broker uh, this year, and, and and trying for a guy like Connor Bedard? What do you find, kind of make of Arizona and where they're at, whether the, what they did at the deadline or sort of how that how you envision that organization moving forward? They were sellers at the deadline. I wish they'd be sellers of the organization. Of course. I know that's really fucked up to say to their fans and everything like that. But, you know, it, it's just sad that, like, it, you know, there's 32 clubs in this league and that one of those 32 clubs is just they're not getting any better. And they're they're giving up assets and they're really only acting as an ATM. I mean, it's like Gary gets so upset about tanking in this league. Oh, no, tanking doesn't exist. Tanking doesn't exist, so never mind. He doesn't get upset about it. But realistically, he gets so upset about tanking in this league, and yet I really feel like the biggest problem in this league is the fact that one of the clubs is operating like an ATM for the other 31. It, it, that's a bigger problem to me than tanking. Like, they, mm-hmm. they don't have any they don't have any desire to get better, it seems like. It seems like they're they're banking on Bedard just like they banked on Austin Matthews to hopefully end up in the desert. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's like even if you dip Bedard, what do you got around him? There's nothing. nothing. I mean, I like I love Clayton Keller. I wish uh, I wish he would get traded to a team that you know the spotlight can be on him more. I think that'd be a blast if he was in Boston or you know a, a pipe dream to Buffalo kind of thing. But obviously, he's in the plans. Chickren's out of the plans, and you know what? What is that organization going to be other than an ATM, like you mentioned? I think that's a, that's a perfect way to put it because you can only rebuild for so long. You know, I, I, or not. I mean, they have three, they have two first rounders, a second rounder, and four third round picks. Four second round picks next year, three second round picks next year, four second round picks the year after that, and two third round picks the year after that. And on a partridge in a pear tree. Right. It's like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> and you know, what's so funny too is the, you know, there's so much talk nowadays about the NHL going to, you know, soft cap or no salary cap payroll system like they do in baseball. The, the counter argument to that is, having a salary cap and a cap floor prevents teams from becoming the Oakland A's. And yet we have a team operating like the Oakland A's. Hello, it's the Arizona Coyotes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They don't spend. They're taking on guys who have retired 17 years ago just to hit the cap floor. You know, it's, it's sad. And you know, the only thing they have going for them to their credit is they've like, they're like 15 and 10 at home. They got a winning record in the Mullet arena. Crazy. So maybe there is a home ice advantage there. Maybe because other teams are out in Scottsdale until three in the morning the night before. Very valid. But you know, they're, I don't know. I just, it, it's sad to me. And I don't want to beat up on them. Cause like you said, Clayton Keller's a great player and they have guys in the organization who are really good guys. It just, and it doesn't even seem like Bill Armstrong, the general manager wants to do that. It just seems like they, there's no, nobody from the top down that wants to spend, that wants to build. Like you talk about a rebuild, forget rebuilding. They're not re from anything. They got to build period. And it seems like they're just very slow to get those building permits. Yeah, I tried to go two for two on the on the segues there and the uh, the little cliches. I don't know if I hit that one, but uh, I tried, buddy. No, I I like the you just yeah heat check yourself. Just yeah. keep throwing up threes. I liked it. So yeah, well, well, with Arizona, it's just one of those things that I'm I'm totally with you. That that team needs to be sold. We'll see what happens with the uh, vote. I believe it's in May. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong on the sort of the Tempe arena proposal with the the citizens the concerned citizens of the city of tempe very big issue right now in arizona uh, of course of course so 
interesting stuff in the desert as always. How about the West Coast? Well, they'll have a spot to go. We'll talk about that in a minute. Right. Oh, that's that. Go. We're gonna end the pod with that. But let's go to the West Coast real quick. Anaheim, L.A., uh, Vancouver, Seattle. Kind of, you know, kind of quiet, I guess, except for L.A.'s wild treatment of Jonathan Quick. What did you think of that whole saga? I guess really weird. Just like weeks after they built a statue for Dustin Brown. Yeah. Really strange. I, I, I you know you got to feel for the guy. Obviously, he ends up in a good spot in Vegas, who I, I also think had a pretty good deadline. Um, but just decent. Felt felt weird. Yeah, it was very abrupt, right? They trade him in the middle of the night, and they he gets a little statement on Twitter, and that's kind of it. And it, it it's it's the end of Jonathan Quick, sixteen years in in Los Angeles, and quite honestly. You know, we just talked about them building the statue for Dustin Brown, who's a great leader of that club, but I don't think they win those Stanley Cups without Jonathan Quick. Okay. Playoff Jonathan Quick in the in the early 2010s was just a different goaltender. And uh, he, he wasn't great this year. But, you know, they're going to be in the playoffs, and Phoenix Copley's never been in the playoffs. <laughs> I'd much rather Jonathan Quick backing him up than uh, than anybody else. Now, they did bring in Corpus Allo in that trade, but the point is, is that they get rid of a team legend, a guy who should have his own statue. Hopefully will. Hopefully they'll build him a statue, raise number 32 to the rafters at the crypt. I think they call it the crypt now, the crypto arena in in a uh, crypto.com arena mm. in Los Angeles. Just weird treatment. You know, they probably made the most noise out of any team in that grouping. You just mentioned Anaheim as well, sending Klingberg to Minnesota right at the deadline that happened, you know, at 259, 59, 59. But yeah, it just, Sad, right? Like, I saw a tweet out there after everything kind of after the dust settled the other night. Patrick Kane and Jonathan Quick both traded at the same deadline to the Eastern Conference. I mean, what a world! Two absolute studs, legends of the of an era, really, of a decade, and hockey Hall of Famers. Yeah, it was just weird. I'm, you know, and like I said, I'm glad he ends up in Vegas, but just, just an interesting. Interesting situation. All right, NRD, before we bounce, what did you think? I, I have two questions for you. One, what did you think of the Tanner Janot return to Nashville uh, for, I guess, so Tampa gives up Cal Foot, 2023 third, 2023 fourth, a 2023 fifth, a 2024 second, and a conditional 2025 first for a player in Tanner Janot. And then, uh, Second will be, what is an under-the-radar trade that you're kind of like, well, that, that was kind of fun. I think that's going to be a really good one for either team. And Because Jano is basically mine. If Tampa says, we're going to go after it, we love this player, we know we our prospect pool isn't exactly stacked, our core is, is our core, it is who it is, we wanted to add him to try to go for another cup. That's my sort of under-the-radar trade. But mm-hmm. what did you think of the return for that? I thought it was a great return. Um too for, much? For Nashville, you hit you hit a home run. Well, I mean, if you're Nashville, yeah. you hit a home run. Um, no no point in talking, no point in warm-ups, no point in talking about what it means for the Nashville side. Really, what everybody's here about is what everybody's here for is to hear about Tampa giving up, you know, every draft pick it seemed like that they've ever owned for, for Tanner Janot. Obviously, they have hopes to keep him in the organization. I don't think you make that trade for a rental, especially a rental who's like a fourth-line winger. Great fourth-line winger. I mean, gritty as hell, plays the game hard. Everything you want in a hockey player, but not a guy that you trade the farm for. And Tampa Bay did that. So clearly they have hopes that he's staying. 
yeah. in uh, in Tampa in the long haul. Because yeah, if they you, don't, I mean, wow. Yeah, you have to. You have to. You know, luckily they have a little team control over him uh, with him being an RFA. But no first rounders the next three years for Tampa. No second rounders the next two years for Tampa. And their first pick this year is, is the sixth round. So it's just, okay, this is our team. This is what we got. This is what we're rolling with. And here we go. I, I just can't imagine what that phone call was like between David Poyle and uh, and uh, Brisebois for, for Tanner Jr. Like, you want this? How about this? How about this? How about this? And Poyle, like, what what was the, saw, what was I, the initial was it, at, like, it, offer? It might have been, I don't want to misattribute this tweet, but it might have been our, our, our guy Pete Blackburn who tweeted. It might have been Pete. I'm not sure. Tweeted out that scene from uh, You Don't Mess With the Zohan when they're negotiating. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'll take 35. I'll take five. <laughs> okay, I'll take 75. Like, they just yeah. kept you adding shit into this trade for Tanner Janot. It started off with, a you know, an Elliot tweet that, you know, hearing Tanner Janot in Tampa Bay might be a thing. And then, you know, 30 minutes later, Tampa Bay has traded every draft pick. It's the Herschel Walker trade all over again. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, it, it's weird to see Tampa <laughs> go all in on a guy like Tanner Janot, who, like I said, again, great hockey player, everything you want, the way he plays the game. But he's not, he's not a first, second, third, fourth, fifth kind of guy. No. Well, no. Uh, interesting stuff. I just can't I imagine that first phone call from Poyle was like, uh, we want your first, we want your second, we want this, we want that. Here we go. And to answer your question on the second, yeah. to answer your second question, not a buyer, a seller for my trade that I like for that team. How about Stevie Y getting a first-round pick for Flipperonic? Oh, yeah. I th- You know, happy for everybody there. Not happy for Vancouver. I don't know if he's a first round def- uh, first round worth defenseman. Just think he changes scenery kind of thing with him. Yeah, I think I think Vancouver overpaid there. I think Vancouver clearly, as we discussed earlier on the show, they clearly don't have the desire for draft capital. They think they can still compete next season. Maybe a quick retool on the fly. Mm-hmm. They give up a first. It's a great asset for a team in Detroit where. You're starting to see it now. They almost got JVR today. That fell through. Stevie Y starting to selectively buy. He's starting to turn that corner in the rebuild. And a first-round pick is a huge asset where he can now take that. People thought they might have been in on Jake Chikrin. I'm not sure about that one, but they grabbed another first. Who knows who's available come the deadline, uh, come the draft this year. Mm-hmm. Matt Dumba's a guy who's been long to be leaving Minnesota, potentially there. So, like, Stevie Wyatt is now accumulating assets to make his move, and I thought that was a good trade. Yeah, I don't hate that. I think they kind of, you know, punted on this year, basically saying, okay, we're we're close, but we're not there yet. So then, you know, a guy like, you know, Heronic uh, leaves, Bertuzzi leaves, uh, Jakub Vrana leaves. So, like, I think they, they decided, okay, this is not going to be the year, but I think they did prepare themselves for the future. So it was sort of a little, uh, you know, obviously JVR would have been weird, kind of like a little sell and buy situation, but that happened. It does. NRD, before we jump out on the on the podcast, let's talk Atlanta hockey. Yeah. Is the third time the charm? What do you know about uh, hockey in the ATL? I know that John Bruchergrass put out a tweet today and said, you know, get ready. Third time's the charm. NHL team in Atlanta coming soon. Here's what I know. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disclose who or how, but there is a group led by some influential people in the sport of hockey that have ties to that area and are committed to making a organization work there. They plan on building an arena in the northern suburb of Alpharetta in Atlanta. They may or not may or may, or may not 
be involved previously in Atlanta hockey going back, you know, some odd years and decades. But there's a commitment level there to the league that if the league decides that Atlanta is another potential option for a team, it's going to work out this time because they have an ownership group that cares and they're going to do it the right way and they're going to set up the infrastructure in the way that the previous ownership group with the Thrashers did not. And that's what I love it. Do you know if this is a a swap out for an Arizona? Would this be a potential future, future situation? What do you know about the the numbers game? So somebody kind of caught me on Twitter and I admitted, I, I was trying to clickbait by saying, you know, it's happening. Come listen to Coastal Pod. And then the next tweet I said, you know, not imminent or not guaranteed. It's happening in the sense that there's a group that if the NHL says, yeah, we're going to do this, it's going to get done because the group there is, is steadfast and they're good people and they're ready to make that happen. I think it's more of a, if Arizona is ever going to leave that market, Atlanta's a home. Or, you know, Chris Johnson at the beginning of the season, remember we talked about it on the show, reported that the NHL might be looking to go to 34 eventually. And if that's the case, Atlanta's ready. So I, I the, the not guaranteed, not imminent that I tweeted out was more so just meaning I don't know how, but hockey's going to end up back in Atlanta. I in love NHL. it. I love it. Atlanta, Houston, OKC, Quebec City, Austin. I think two of those cities get a team. And maybe three if Arizona is, in fact, sold. Here we go, NRD. Nice couple years coming up for the NHL. More TV money coming in. We'll see what happens with the Bally Sports situation. But uh, things are looking up. I'll put it that way. Anything else quick before, thing, yeah, before yeah, we bounce? Quick thing got? on the Atlanta note. Yeah. I know this is now going to sound very ironic. I was not the guy that went up to Grinelli and Biz that night and said that the NHL was coming back to Atlanta. I just want to clear that smoke. <laughs> I, I separately that's just, that's just what we call a coincidence in the business. There we go. Hey, thank you for clearing that up, NRD. That's going to do it for us today. Happy trade deadline day. We'll be back next week to kind of break down what what's going on with these trades. How do they look? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But that's going to do it for us this week. Cold Stovers out there. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the rest of the uh, the regular season. Then we'll heat up for the playoffs and then our time of year. Free agency and draft stuff. Cannot wait for that. But in the meantime, I am Brad Merriman at Schmerriman on both Twitter and Instagram. That's NRD at NHL Rumors Daily on Twitter. He's not going anywhere. We are Cold Stove at Cold Stove Pod on both of those platforms. NRD, what do you got before we head out? Follow at Cold Stove Pod. Not plugging my Twitter today. I'm plugging the show. My company man, Brett. My man. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Happy trade deadline. Hope your team got better. Hope your team sold if they're tanking. We'll see you guys next week. See you.